Texas Football Today is a production of Dave Campbell's Texas Football Magazine and TexasFootball.com. If you like the show, help us make it. Subscribe at TexasFootball.com slash subscribe. As a subscriber, you'll get two magazines, including our legendary summer edition and a year of exclusive content on TexasFootball.com. Sound good to you? Go to TexasFootball.com slash subscribe. That's TexasFootball.com slash subscribe. The Texas Football Today podcast is brought to you by Chocolate Milk, built by nature. Watch Texas Football Today live every weekday at noon on TexasFootball.com, YouTube, Facebook, and Twitch, and get involved in the conversation using the hashtag TFToday. Yes, yes, y'all! From the Dave Campbell's Texas Football Mothership here in beautiful Louisville, Texas, it's Texas Football Today. A show coming to you from a spooky studio. It's just like the wind howling outside. It's always very weird. My name's Greg Tupper. I'm the managing editor of Dave Campbell's Texas Football, a magazine, texasfootball.com, a corresponding website. Thank you for spending part of your day with us. Whether you're watching us live on texasfootball.com, Facebook, YouTube, or Twitch, or you're listening to us in the podcast, which you can subscribe to on the podcast vendor of your choice. Either way, thank you for doing your part to support your local mediocre internet show. I'm sitting here, sitting over there at the helm today, making us sound good. She's the Duchess of the Dorks. She's Ashley Pickle. Hello, Ashley Pickle. Howdy, team. And sitting to my right is the college football insider for Dave Campbell's Texas Football. We're joined by Mike Craven. Hello, Mike. Hello, Greg. How are you? I'm good. Good. I'm good. Ashley? Good. Do well. Do well. Good. Okay. Good. All right. Good. Well is the correct Keep answer. this thing going. Uh, today <laughs> is Thursday? Thursday. January 20th. Having Monday off through everything oh off. God, well, and you're no just completely thrown off because you haven't... January 20th, 2022, so. 308 days till Thanksgiving. Happy birthday to David Lynch. David Lynch is turning 76 today. David Lynch has been married four times. Why is that a name that I recognize, but I can't put uh, He did Twin Peaks. Oh, uh, okay. He did Twin Peaks. He's done a lot of weird movies, too. Life um, Goals. Oh, yeah. Oh. 76, Wait. married four times. Man, dude. <laughs> here's, here's the thing. 20, 25% right. of the way there. <laughs> here's, here's something I cannot understand, though, okay? Obviously, he's searching for love. We all, we all hope we all find love. Uh, company. Company, good point. Yeah, right. at that point. David Lynch has been married to two women named Mary. Well, that, that's, that's just being smart. Yeah, because then you don't have to forget the name. <laughs> like, you can't get it twisted if you all I you date all Mary. I think it's the other way. Because, like, for example, my wife is an elementary school teacher. We have a list of names that the kid was never going to be named because they were all have bring up bad memories and stuff like yeah. that. You know what I mean? Like, if you have an ex-boyfriend named uh, Ruben, mm-hmm. right? Would you ever date another Reuben? I mean, I'm not going to completely crack. Naming a kid is way different than dating another person. Like, I, I got to I gotta disagree with you there. Naming a kid that? No. I'm not okay. naming a kid after any of my ex-boyfriends. But, like, dating another guy like that? Sometimes you can't help that. Also, Especially you, if it's a common name. Also, you're assuming like that the Greg divorce was bad. Mm, that's true. Right. Not everybody not everybody walks <laughs> out of a marriage going, oh, man, that, you know, it was just like, that's what needed to, ha-, you know, like he was probably fine with it. It's like losing. Once you're a coach and you've lost, you know, like mm. a loss doesn't mm. bother you as much as it would, you know, to a fan who maybe has never like lost before. So, mm. yeah, I, I say keep dating Marys. I would exclusively only date Marys. Yeah, at that point, if, you've hit a, yeah, if you're hitting a two, like just go ahead and keep going with it. Yeah, see how far you can take the bit. Also, that's super generic coming from a guy with the name Greg. Like there's a lot of Gregs in the world. Like, you know? I'm talking to a Mike and an Ashley. Oh, man. I know. That's what I'm saying. It's super generic. Believe me. Right. We have, like, three of the most generic names. I do. 
Okay, we'll get into the whether or not Greg is a generic name at another time. I think it's pretty generic. I I just think you generic. work. I just think that you have a. Yeah, I'm like surrounded by. You're Gregs surrounded all by Gregs, but I I think that's coincidence more than um, yeah, more than it is. It's a true fits. Anyway, it's episode 1316. On today's show, guys, we're going to talk. I promise, we're going to talk football. We're going to talk uh, the Houston Cougars. Uh, do uh, Mike Craven is here to do his uh, Houston postmortem? Talk about those Cougs. Um, perhaps. Well, I'll ask him a question here in a moment, and, and then and we'll, that'll be a nice way to start it off. And then back half of the show, I will unveil my top 10 most surprising Texas high school football teams in 2021. You will not want to miss that coming up here at the back half of the program. Do we have first four through the door? We sure do. It's Tony Blaylock, Rob Hadaway, Aaron Arbuckle, Ed McElroy, and a poor guy named Ruben who took offense to your oh, anti-Ruben. No, I'm sorry. <laughs> you know what it is? Welcome in, fellas. The especially best you, Ruben. The best sandwich you. in the existence of the do, world. Do you know why Ruben was on my mind? Is that, why? Um, spoiler alert, one of my top 10 most surprising teams is Marlon, whose coach is Ruben, Ruben Torres, Torres. He's a great guy. That's the first we one just just interviewed him like two yeah, weeks exactly. ago. Yeah, good people. Yeah. Anyway, anyway. Got welcome in, Ruben. Yes, welcome in, Ruben. <laughs> Some of us appreciate you. <laughs> I, oh, my God. Anyway. <laughs> All right. We are continuing our series of postmortems, taking a look at the 12 FBS teams across the state of Texas. Of course, you guys are also doing big-time work on the Republican Football Podcast, right? We are. We had Sonny Dykes on yesterday. You can find that on the Spotify's and wherever else you listen to podcasts. Yeah. Dana Dana Holgerson next week. Ooh, a little nice. bit of a little wow. bit of breaking news. There. Wow, how about that? We're breaking news here on Texas football today. Somebody's got to. Uh, we're taking we're taking a look at at the Houston Cougars, and 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 we'll start just with, with a, a a positioning statement. Is Houston the most pleasant surprise in the FBS ranks in 2021? Yeah, if we're talking state of Texas, I, I yeah. think you have to say, you know, Baylor winning the Big 12 in a Sugar Bowl was pretty big. UTSA winning their first conference championship was pretty big. You know, UTEP making a bowl game yeah. was, was pretty big. I think Houston's right there in that conversation, especially, you know, they lost week one to Texas Tech after being up 21 to nothing in the first half. And it was like, okay, how good is this team? Clayton Toon throws four interceptions. And mm-hmm. it's like, man, they. SMU is going to be the team in the American to really watch inside the state. And then they rip off 11 in a row. Clayton Toon takes a huge step forward. The defense was really good. And so, yeah, I mean, one of the they're one of the more fun teams to watch because they're a complete football team. The offense was explosive. The defense made a lot of plays. And then you had Marcus Jones returning four kicks for touchdowns. So uh, just a really fun team to watch and, and enjoyed kind of that season. And we're starting to see – Dana Holgerson's vision of what this football team is going to be, and they just got to take that next step with the Big 12 kind of on the doorstep. Yeah, I think that that, uh, you know, you go back to week one and, and think about... You were ready to we ride ta- them we off. Talked about, <laughs> yeah. We talked about going into that, that, that game about how for both Tech and Houston, boy, it felt like a real, uh, you know, a, like a, a real big time question of does the winner of the does the loser of this game keep their job and sure enough the loser of this game had the best year in a long time there at his program and the winner of that game is out the door we should have pulled a clip from those shows oh my gosh that's another day and a thing he's not going to last half the season an all-time anxiety poll there between houston and tech tech gets the win and you're thinking boy is this it for Dana? Like, how is he going to pull this out of the mud? And I think, I think his ability and that staff's ability to not let that one game just dictate the rest of the season is super impressive to me. Yeah, for me, two points were made after that game. One, I mean, week one is a crapshoot. 
we we got mm-hmm. in college football, maybe in high school as well. You just can't take week one all that seriously because there's no preseason. There's mm-hmm. no you just don't you don't know what it is until the live bullets are flying. And then it's also how important a quarterback is to to a program, right? I mean, Clayton Toon throws four interceptions in that opening week loss to Texas Tech. He didn't. He only threw six more. Yeah. In the next 12, 13 games, right? Mm-hmm. And so, uh, him kind of figuring that out and valuing the football is really what turned Houston's program around. Because when you're throwing that many that many interceptions, you just you can't win on a consistent basis. Yeah, he grew, I think, in, in a big, big way. Probably the most improved player in the state. Yeah, that's that's a good way to put it. All right, so let's let's hand out some grades. Let's start with the offense. Uh, what what kind of grade are we giving the Houston offense in 2021? I think they were excellent. I think the only weak spot was probably the offensive line. They didn't average, you know, more than four yards of carry. They gave up some sacks. But if you look, I mean, Clayton Toon, over 3,000 yards. Tank Dell, their wide receiver, 90 catches, uh, 12 touchdowns. Alton McCaskill emerged yeah. as kind of a running back of the future. He set a school record with 19 total touchdowns. So offensively, and that's where Dana Holgerson's bread is buttered, right? Like We all consider him an offensive genius, and they really, really played well on that side of the football. So I, I'd give them an A. The offensive line needs to improve a little bit. But other than that, they were about as good as you could ask for. Dell was probably, like you, you're talking about, some of the most underappreciated, underrated players, in, not, just, not just in the state, but in the nation, too. I mean, this guy, this guy was unbelievable. And for a program that has not always had like a true number one receiver, they, mm-hmm. they've a lot of times when you take a look at great Houston teams of the past, they've been like a bunch of really good players, but like you know, a, I hate to say like a bunch of number two receivers, but a bunch of number two receivers, right? right? A bunch of guys. Tank Dell stepped up and was like, "Nope, I'm the guy. It's it's me. Uh, you can throw me the ball whenever you want, and I'll make something. I'll make something happen." He was supremely impressed. <laughs> he had he had 53 more catches than anybody else on the roster. Jeez. <laughs> Golly, I mean, and, and that's what's funny is at the receiver spot and at like basically like outside receiver. You know what I mean? Like he, they were like they moved him around, but like to line him up at the outside. If you were talking about a guy who was going to have that many more catches, you'd normally be talking about okay, they're going to dink and dunk. They're doing a lot of tight ends. You know, maybe tight end, maybe a, a, a slot receiver. No, I mean he had he was their big play threat. He was their short play threat. Like he was their everything threat on the outside. He was very impressive. All right, on the defensive side, uh, I think I agree with you. I might go a little bit more A minus on that, but but I think we're picking nets there. On the defensive side, where are you going? Yeah, I went with B plus defensively, just because the secondary struggled a little bit down the stretch to to stop big plays. But you know they had forty five sacks as a team. Fifteen different players recorded a sack uh, yeah. for Houston. Uh, they had a hundred tackles for loss. Yeah, I mean that's that's insane over over fourteen games. So uh, a really good a really good effort by that front seven. Uh, the back end was good enough. Uh, Owens at safety is one of the the top safeties in the state. Marcus Jones, as we mentioned, you know five interceptions at cornerback. So they were able. They didn't always stop teams, but in modern football, yards against probably isn't the greatest measurement. It's about points. And what they did really well was stop teams in the red zone, like. Opponents only had 15 touchdowns out of 34 trips into the red zone. Yeah. So that, that's how you want to play bend but don't break defense. And they were able to come up with enough turnovers, enough sacks, and enough stops in the red zone to give that high-powered offense a chance every single game. Would it, would it surprise you to learn that Houston was sixth nationally in total defense? No, not at all. They were, they were outstanding. I mean, and, I, I don't think Belt gets enough credit for what he's done. Houston keeping him a defensive coordinator in the offseason was probably the biggest recruiting win of that program, right? Because that defense is really, really good under his direction. The And what's so interesting is to go back to, like, what whenever, like, the Kevin Sumlin-Houston teams were really cooking or whenever they would have, like, whenever the Tom Herman went and they won the Peach Bowl and stuff. 
it kind of does follow a similar pattern, which is normally um, outstanding secondary, secondary like super big time playmakers in the secondary. That's where they that's where they make plays. Front seven does their job, right? Even with that Oliver, that was kind of the case. It's like secondary was the was the star. Front seven does their job. This is kind of the reverse of, like, the front seven took center stage, and they were the dominant force on that defense. The secondary was good. It was good enough, as you said. Uh, but they were they kind of flipped that script, and I think it's, it, was, it was impressive, especially against a conference that has a lot of high-powered offenses. I mean, they didn't, they didn't you know, mosey through some sort of, you know, soft schedule. They, they went through a tough schedule. They faced high-powered offenses, and they came away, for the most part, look, Cincinnati got theirs, right? A few other teams got theirs. But at the, end, in the end, at the end of the day, when you take a look at the whole, you can say they faced really good offenses, and for the most part, they held up really well. Yeah, I mean, that Cincinnati game where they ended up kind of getting blown out, it was 14. 14 at halftime yep. you know so I mean they 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 were able to hang in there uh, I, I was I was just super impressed with how they can get pressure because sacks are almost as good as turnovers right they force punts mm-hmm. uh, you know if you're you're second and 10 you're passing the ball and now all of a sudden it's third and 17 you, that's a punt right that's mm-hmm. that's a that's that's stealing a possession so 45 sacks 100 tackles for loss a bunch of interceptions a bunch of forced fumbles uh, just a really good effort uh, by coach Belk's defense so let's hand out an MVP award. Who is your MVP of this team? You've probably got a few different places you could look. Yeah, I was going to go with somebody offensive, but they all kind of play off each other, right? Like Toon, McCaskill, Dell, kind of they could have been the offensive MVP, uh, but they, you know, they, they're together. I, I went with Marcus Jones because mm-hmm. of the amount of impact he had in multiple spots. Not only does he have five interceptions, which was tied uh, for the, the league or lead in the nation, uh, he had two kickoff returns for touchdowns, including a 100-yarder with 18 seconds left against SMU. And that, you know, we kind of look at those two teams – that was the junction point. Yep. Right? Like that that kickoff return, SMU started going down. They finished one and four in the season. Houston rides that momentum to an AAC championship game berth. So uh, he also had two punt returns. So when you score four special teams touchdowns and you're getting five interceptions, to me, it's hard to not consider you the team MVP. Those are nine game changing plays. And basically, aside from being a quarterback where you have the ball in your hands that much time, that many times, um, you're it's you're going to be it's going to be hard to find somebody who had that type of impact from a non I mean let's call it what it is like a non showcase position right? right not running back not receiver not quarterback um, to have nine game changing plays you know minimum I think is is imp- I think Marcus Jones is the right play I think he was the the star of the show and I think he was the guy that whenever they needed the big play he had that knack for it so I think that's a good choice Clayton Toon, Al McCaskill, a few other guys are Dell are certainly in that mix but he would be my pick as well all right so let's flash forward now to 2022 because all you know. What have you done for us lately? They haven't won a game in months. Um, <laughs> a month. A month. I'm sorry. A One month. Singular weeks. Month. They haven't won a game in weeks. Yeah, they beat Auburn. Um, what are the expectations now for 2022? Because I think that going into 2021, we were talking about how it was a ma- really make-or-break year for Dana Holgerson. They had to show something. Obviously, they did. The target's only going to get bigger. We're going to see when they go to the when they go to the Big 12. It probably won't be in 2022, but. Uh, as far as your, you know, on January 20th, put you on the on, on the, the spot, what are your expectations for Houston heading into 2022? I think they're the best G5 team in the nation. Hmm. That that should be the expectation. It's it's AAC title championship or bust. I mean, they already went to the championship game, and they returned Toon, they returned Dell, they returned McCaskill, they returned Patrick Paul, their best offensive lineman. 
All those defensive guys we mentioned, they return most of those guys. Marcus Jones is, is going to be the biggest departure, and so they're going to have to figure out that. But, you know, Cincinnati's losing almost everybody. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so I think Cincinnati, you know, they're going to be really good, right? Because when you're that good, you're recruiting well. Luke Fickle's an excellent coach. But I do think Houston walks into 2022, you know, ranked in the top 20 in preseason polls and should be the odds-on favorite to, to win the AAC and maybe make a push in the way that Cincinnati did this year. Yeah, and, and you know, you want to talk about, by the way, uh, the way they start their season. They open at UTSA and they open at Tech back-to-back weeks. And so – and then they play Kansas and you play, and then they play Rice, right? On one hand, you can look at that and you can say – all four of those games, you should win in a lot of ways. They'll right? be favored. They'll be favored, I think, in every one of those games. Going to Tech will be interesting, but but I think you're going to be favored. You could ha- go into AAC play with two Power 5 wins, including one road win, right? Two wins over your future Big 12 bunkmates, a win over the team that everybody's talking about in UTSA, and then you win the, you know, the Bayou Bucket against, against Rice. You go in there and you start if – if they start 4-0 – the hype train's not going to slow down for this team. I think that this is going to be one of those teams that I, I, I can see it right now, six months in the future. This is going to be one of those sexy teams, like nationally, that people are like, oh man, like, yeah, you, you know, you, you guys are talking a lot about Coastal Carolina and stuff like that. Let's talk about the Houston Cougars. This is a team that I think could challenge. Let's be honest, there's probably not going to be, the AAC hasn't put out their schedule yet, but there's not, probably not going to be a game on the schedule that's not winnable. Yeah, I mean, Cincinnati is the only team that in that conference that can compete talent-wise with Houston. I'll, I'll say this. I, I don't. There's not a team I feel better about going into 2022 in the state than Houston. Wow. I mean, UTSA yeah. loses Sincere McCormick and that kind of stuff. Baylor loses Jalen Petrie, Terrell Bernard, and, and a lot of players on that defense. Texas A&M, we still don't know what the quarterback and wide receiver position looks like. Houston is the known commodity in this state. Yeah. Like they've are they were already eleven and one in the regular season and you know one half of football away from winning an AAC championship and all the dudes or at least eighty percent of the dudes who contributed to that are still in that locker room and they're only should be getting better right another year should only you know birthdays are the most important thing in college football and so I'd imagine that they're even Clayton Toon should look even better. Alton McCaskill was just a true freshman. Yeah, He's going to be even better. That offensive line has to improve. Uh, And so if they can find a second wide receiver, if they can find somebody opposite uh, of Tank Dell, and that's probably going to be Jeremy Singleton. If Singleton can step up and that secondary can figure out a way to replace Marcus Jones – Honestly, I, I think Houston could be really in the in a running for an undefeated season and like a top ten ranking and in that conversation of do we put a G five team in the playoff? He's Mike Craven. He's the college football insider for Dave Campbell's Texas Football. You can find his fine work at TexasFootball.com and listen to the Republic of Football wherever you get podcasts. If you're listening to this podcast, you can find that podcast on the same platform. So search Republic of Football. Craven, appreciate your time, man. Absolutely. There he goes. Bye, Mike. I'm just gonna keep watching him until he walks out. <laughs> You just love making things awkward, don't you? Bye, Mike. <laughs> <laughs> Mike's Mike's breaking down before our eyes. Just, you know, 
running backs, you know what I mean? Yeah, a lot, hey, of, carries, lot, a lot, of, a lot of miles, tire. a lot of miles. A lot of miles on left tires. We're Texas Football today. We're here every weekday at noon on TexasFootball.com. Talking football in the Lone Star State. You can follow us on Twitter at DCTF. Like us on Facebook. Facebook.com slash Dave Campbells. Follow us on Instagram. Instagram.com slash Dave Campbells. And, of course, see us at TexasFootball.com. TexasFootball.com. Where you can find complete coverage of high school football, college football, and recruiting all across the Lone Star State. Hope you'll consider becoming a Dave Campbell's Texas Football subscriber at TexasFootball.com slash subscribe. Hey, Pickle, we're in the middle of the show. So this is like the halftime show. This is. Welcome to your TFT halftime show. Do you want to tell people who would go on the show tomorrow? Mm. Or do you want to wait till final thoughts? I'm wait till final thoughts. Okay. There's a, there's a there's lateral tease. There's a big tease. tease. I am so excited. So stay tuned to the end of the show to see pure excitement. Like genuine, pure <sighs> that is, excitement. That is a tease. All right, Pickle. I'm going to try to do this every Thursday. It's time for Tepper's oh. Top 10. That's right. <sighs> Tepper's top 10. I am going to uh, put together a list every Thursday that I want to bring to the air. And, yep. and sometimes it'll be controversial. Sometimes it'll be based on math. Other mm-hmm. times it'll be based on gut. This is kind of a mix. And so this one, I want to start off with the... Do you want to fix the the bottom? The word surprising? No, nope, we're going to leave it like that. Sure, present. <laughs> I'm not even going to be sticking on this for much longer. Oh, I do. I need to change it over here, though. I was going to say, thank you. The most surprising. We're going to roll out the top 10 most surprising Texas high school football teams in 2021. This is a little bit subjective, a little bit objective, right? I took a look at like our preseason rankings and things like that. The teams that quote unquote overachieved. Uh, but in a lot of ways, these are just the teams that I found myself throughout the course of the year saying, whoa. How did they? Uh, how did they do that? Like that—that that is not what I saw happening. And so, here it is: my top ten most surprising Texas high school football teams in 2021. We start number ten: San Antonio Kennedy, the Rockets. And maybe this is coming out of left field for you, but the Rockets made their first playoff appearance since 2009. But it's not just that they snapped a long playoff drought. It was, in a lot of ways, the way that they did it. This was a team that was very clearly improved from the past couple of years. Coach Ben Benavides has done a great job. It's a program that the last seven seasons had won a combined seven games. Okay? That is, that is hard to do. You know what I yeah. mean? Oh, yeah. But to go from that to a 7-4 and four record and a playoff berth is supremely impressive, supremely surprising. So they are the number 10 most surprising team in Texas high school ball in 2021. Number nine. Spur. The Bulldogs of Spur. Um, so this is a team that it, it's, kind of, it's kind of odd because this is the program. It's not like San Antonio Kennedy in the sense that they have been kind of down in the dumps for a while. Right. This is a program that's generally been okay. It's been pretty good. They're always good. middle of the they're pack. Always, they're always pretty good, right? Yeah. But last year, they went 3-5 and five yep. in, in a weird COVID 2020 yeah. season. They bounced back to 10-2. T- to and two, But it's not just that they did it. It's the way that they did it. Mm-hmm. Their offense improved by 21 points a game. Their defense improved by 17 points a game. Okay? That means there was a 38-point gap yeah. in margin that they made up on average. Yeah, and it that's was, not just like figuring your stuff out no. from a kind of rocky season. That's literally going, we are hard-stopping, forgetting that season, and 
moving on completely. No, it was a massive, massive turnaround for the Bulldogs, just in everything they did. And, and Coach Tate Clark, you know, was able to help turn them around. Had a pretty good year in 20, 2019, mm-hmm. a down year in 2020, but clearly back in, in the mix there. Yeah. Spur. Don't uh, make a bad year worse. At the six-man level. Yeah, so that's my number nine pick. Number eight! The Yellow Jackets of Stephenville. Stephenville. It's hard to call a program that has this kind of pedigree of surprise. But I think, look, let's be honest about this. They had three straight pretty lackluster seasons. Greg mm-hmm. Winder's last season and then Sterling Doty's first two seasons. And I think that, and really they'd had five lackluster seasons in the last six. At least by Stephenville standards, which are right. really, really high. And I think there were reasonable questions as to whether or not the window for Stephenville had closed mm-hmm. to be that state power. I right. think there were reasonable questions about that because, look, I mean, you think about some of the programs that have a, a ton of titles, right? Mm-hmm. The, I think of Old Waco High. Yep. Old Waco High is one of the most decorated programs uh, in Texas high school football, um, but they, you know, they haven't won a title in, boy, when was that? Since 1948. Yeah. Right? Uh, Odessa Permian, I think, mm-hmm. is a per- another perfect example. They've got six titles to their name, mm-hmm. haven't won one since 1991. Well, and the thing about Stephenville for me is the fact that we're not just talking about necessarily, like, this specific team. We're also taking a look at the competition that they have to go through, right. which adds twice as much difficulty to just the being it's also, down as a team. It's also that. Now, obviously, they won that title back in 2012, mm-hmm. but I think that there was kind of a notion of like, oh, are they? Is this the the, the end of the the uh, the line for them? Mm-hmm. But obviously not. And obviously, Ryder Lambert and um, you know, Koyakin and the defense, which took a huge step forward, uh, they were remarkable. War dogs. They were yeah, the war dog defense. They were remarkable. That that whole team was remarkable. And again. It's not like from the bottom to the top. Right. But what it is is they were a program that we had questions about whether or not they were ever going to reach those heights again. And they emphatically answered those. Yeah. Melissa, Argyle, Parrot, exactly like right. everyone. Yeah. La Vega, all those teams they had to go through. And they did it. That's my number eight pick. Number seven. How about those Katie Another Pato state Panthers? Katie Pato. So. It's it's easy to see why they were a surprise. It's a young program, oh, right? Yeah. They are in, I believe, their fourth year of varsity yeah. play. Um, this is a program that had a great year last year. Mm-hmm. But, you know, look, any time that you're talking about a program this young making it to and winning a state championship, you're talking about something that just doesn't, doesn't happen very often. No. Uh, they kind of followed in a lot of ways like the Shadow Creek role mm-hmm. uh, mold of, of, of kind of young program that, that is able to hit the Jets early. The other thing about them is for them to navigate their district and their region, oh, yeah. I thought was really impressive. Their own town. Like, say yeah. what you will about, you know, they were in different classifications from the Katy Tigers, mm-hmm. but I mean, getting people to buy in mm-hmm. and build all that, that takes a lot. We talked to Coach BJ Gott about that on the show a couple weeks ago, and he was like, yeah, like, they want to stand up for their town specifically. Right, and and to to go through 5A Division One, which was, you know, pound for pound, one of the toughest brackets in the state. Absolutely. To make it through Region 3 and then to beat College Station in overtime. Which was like the hottest team in the playoffs, were, I think, out yeah, of all of football. I think you're right. I, that is a team that really surprised me, was Katie Pato. Number six. Keeping it with state champions. Yeah, going with another big cat there, the Cougars of China Spring. China Spring. So we thought China Spring would be good. I want to be clear. We thought China Spring would be pretty good. 
Uh, but they took that to a whole new level in 2021. Mm-hmm. The def- like we, we're going to talk. We talk a lot about Major Bowden, obviously mm-hmm. the Mr. Texas Football Player of the Year. How important he was. Uh, he was the X factor. He was that additional guy. He was the guy that he was that dude mm-hmm. that at the 4A level can take over a game, and he did. But we're not talking enough about the defense and the fact that the defense was able to take a massive step forward, allowing 12 fewer points per game uh, to go from a good to great defense to an elite one Mm -hmm. is what they ended up being. It's also just the matter of who was looming within their own region, right? Yeah. Uh, It was the fact that they had to go through, like, David can't beat Goliath without a full team. (laughs) Exactly right. And so, for me... It's the it's the path that they walked. Um, it's the it's the path that they were able to get there to the state championship. Consider this, okay? In consecutive weeks, they beat Carthage, West Orange Stark, Quero, and Gilmer mm-hmm. to win a title. That is a four A murderers row. Yeah, and pedigree too. Like all of those teams have so much pedigree. Nineteen titles and thirty six title game appearances between those four. Yeah, that's wild. Nineteen state titles. I still go back to the Western Start game, too, because I was so impressed by how they didn't have the Carthage hangover. That's yeah. what I was most worried about, was having the Carthage hangover, and then they went out there and just finished the whole darn thing. Yes, it was supremely impressive, and Brian Bell obviously did a ter- terrific job. Now off to Baylor, but China Spring was my number six most surprising Texas high school football team. Number five! Those Golden Bears from South Oak Cliff. The last state champion on this list. Now again, another team that we thought was going to be pretty good. They ranked third. They were ranked thirteenth in the preseason rankings. Mm-hmm. We thought they were going to be pretty good, but there is just there are with teams like South Oak Cliff mm-hmm. and plain and simple. When you're talking about inner city teams, there are questions that you have to ask. There's just more obstacles. There are more obstacles. It's tougher, plain and simple, and to survive the toughest region. Mm-hmm. To take on the team that everyone, you know, the team. another David and Goliath exactly with Alito. Right. To take on Alito, to take on, um, you know, the next week. I think the next week it goes super underrated when they went out there and they drilled Lovejoy. Yeah, yeah. I mean, Lovejoy how many was teams cooking. How many teams would go out there and beat Alito and have a letdown the next week? Yeah. There ain't the no hangover. Yeah. There's no hangover. To become the first, you know inner city program to win a state championship uh, the first Dallas ISD program to win a recognized state championship since the 50s um, and then of course 1988 with Carter uh, supremely impressive and and I'll, I'll say this um, I don't know if I have this permission to say it but I might as well I ran into Tim Buchanan uh-huh. at, from Alito on the sidelines he was there watching their Parker County buddies Brock yes. play in the title game yes um and I was talking about him, and you know, I said, hey, I'm not used to seeing you like this. And the amount of respect that he had for South Oak Cliff and for Jason Todd and for what he did, I mean, he was gushing about. Them. You would have thought he was on the South Oak Cliff staff. Yeah. <laughs> he was gushing about them and just saying, man, what they have done there is special. And they capped it off with a state championship. Uh, a a real surpri- a, a surprise, plain and simple. That mm-hmm. that to to go from where they were to to what they to what they finished was 
supremely impressive. My number five most surprising team. I was going to say real fast because we haven't talked about this too, but shout out to the city of Dallas for everything they've done to celebrate this it's afterwards cool. from the parade to the Cowboys to the Mavs to the Stars to everyone that has had them out. I thought that was so cool. Very cool. Number four. Tomball. Let's talk about Kevin Flanagan's Cougars, Another big cat. Who had, I think, perhaps the most bizarre season <laughs> In 2021 in Texas high school football. Wild. Okay? So what's important to remember about Tomball is that they started 6-0. and Okay? They were cooking with Crisco. Yep. Looked really good. I remember when they beat Tomball Memorial, mm-hmm. I got super into Tomball. I'm like, man, this team's really good. Now, Tomball Memorial turned out had a pretty poor year. Right. That win didn't age well. But they were 6-0, and and they were rolling. And then... Thud. I mean, they got hit square in the face. They lose three straight ugly losses to Collins, to Oak, and to Kane. They had to win in week 11 just to make the playoffs, Mm -hmm. right? Then, to go and knock out the sexy pick in Cy Park, Mm -hmm. to beat Willis again, Mm -hmm. and then to beat Rockwall Rockwall Heath Heath. and Bridgeland, two more, like, sexy picks. Uh I mean, there 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 are teams that... I think when they get out of their region, you say, oh, yeah, but the, the, te- the team got upset earlier. Like, they didn't yeah. have to play them, mm-hmm. right? That was not the case with them. No. They took on every heavy hitter in Region 2, and they bowed up and beat them. Yep. Plain and simple. And uh, let's talk about a kid that has not, like, the name has not been said enough after the season. Cale Helms deserves so much respect for everything he did for that team this He season. was unbelievable. And he that was team, so much fun to watch. That team was unbelievable. And to get that hot at the at that moment, I mean... They rivaled one, College Station in the playoffs was, of, like, team hotness. It was one of those, te- it was one of those teams that, like, white hot... Uh-huh. And then super cold, <laughs> and then white hot again. Right. Yeah. A, a bizarre year, but for me, the, the fourth most surprising Texas high school football team in 2021. Number three. Bring back the dog pound here from Marlin. Woof, woof, woof. That's what they do on the sideline. Marlin. So Guy Frazier turned us on to them before the year. Oh, yeah. He was, he has he was been, beating the drum. He's banging the, the Marlin drum before the year. He was, uh, I won't try to do the Guy, Guy Frazier impression, but uh, <laughs> woof, he woof, said woof. They, got some, they got some dudes. They got some dudes, and they're going to be a problem there in three A level, two A, two A level rather. Uh, but here's the thing: is that they had six wins combined in the last three seasons, so mm-hmm. it's pretty hard. Like, and I get told that a lot in this industry or in this in this position. I get told, "Hey, man, this team, you got to watch out for them. They've got guys." And mm-hmm. then it turns out they go four and six. I'm like, "Okay, well, I didn't hear from you again, right?" For them. They had six wins in their combined in the last three seasons, but Ruben Torres comes in mm-hmm. and he changes the the culture there and changes the atmosphere and gets those guys believing again. Their offense was 14 points better than they were the year before per game, and their defense was tremendous. 19 points allowed per game better mm-hmm. in 2021 than they were in 2020. A tremendous turnaround there for Ruben Torres and a team that we should have listened. We should have yep. listened to, to Guy Frazier, that they were a program that was very clearly ready ready for a leap. Mm-hmm. And by the way... They're young. Like, they're not making this list next year because the, all those no, kids, no, all I, of them were young. Enjoy this spot this year, guys, because you're firmly on our radar now. If you missed our interview with Coach Ruben Torres, I think it was last week. It's on our YouTube page. You need to go listen because he was a blast to yeah, talk to. Yeah, he's good people. Number two. 
Let's go out west. Lubbock Roosevelt, the Eagles. Lubbock Roosevelt. Part of it, part of this is that, like, what they've done historically, right? Right. So they go 14-1, and they run all the way to the state semifinals. Part of it is the history part of it, right? That they had only, I mean, they had not won a district championship since 1986. They had not um, finished the regular season undefeated since then. Mm -hmm. Um, They were just kind of out there in Lubbock, plain and simple. They were just kind of another team. Mm -hmm. It was like, oh, okay, well, hey, you know what? Hey, great year. They went 8-3 in in 2020. They'll make it to the playoffs. Make it to the playoffs. Bounced. Yep. Right. But it became very evident early that something was different about this Lubbock-Roosevelt team. And and I think, I'm going to be honest. I kept waiting for the other shoe to drop. Yep. I kept waiting for something else to happen. For them to be like, oh, okay, well, hey, they got exposed. And you know what I thought it was going to be is when they played Abernathy. Yeah. They play Abernathy, mm-hmm. and I was like, all right, well, now they're this taking This will be on, the time. Here's, yeah. here's a big boy team. Let's it was their first them. true test by far. And they passed it. And they won in a wild shootout. Mm-hmm. And that's the point where you go, oh, Man, okay. they're for real. They're for real. They run all the way through Region 1. Um, they get they get they get through and 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 knock out Abernathy again mm-hmm. to get, make it to the state semifinal, which is hard to beat a good team twice. Their first state semifinal in program history. Matt Lander has done an unbelievable job there. That was a team that, but but at, it's one of those things that it's it's easy to say in hindsight. Mm-hmm. That was a team that really you could have seen coming if you looked close enough. Because mm-hmm. for Matt Landers, this is his fourth year there. 2018, 1-9. and nine. 2020, uh, 2019, 3-9, or 3-8, and rather, they make the playoffs for the first time in, in a couple of years. 2020, 8-3. And, and you're going, okay, the improvement, to 14-1. and one. But that leap is the toughest one. Mm-hmm. That leap from good to elite is the toughest one. Oh, yeah. But they made that, and they were, to me, the second most surprising Texas high school football team that I was just like, wait a second, what? Like, where'd you come from? Yep. But they weren't the most surprising team. No. Because that belongs to number one. The Bears. Hype up your boy from Little Cypress from Reeseville. I think it's I think it's really hard to talk about the program that Eric Peavy was inheriting when he moved over from Beaumont Westbrook. Mm-hmm. I want you to remember some of the conversations we were having in the off season of twenty twenty one when he moved from Beaumont Westbrook over to Little Cypress Mauriceville. Mm-hmm. Because whether people were saying it in the microphones or they weren't, what people were doing? saying <laughs> Why? You're leaving Beaumont Westbrook where yep. you had just taken them to a state championship in 2018. Powerhouse. Powerhouse down there in the four oh nine. We're we're watching him at seven on seven going why do you leave this? What are you doing? What are <laughs> like, you doing? We'll give you time you, to explain, but this? I've got to ask, why are you doing this? Well, he knew something we didn't. Oh, yeah. He knew something we didn't. This was a program I believe we had picked last in their district. And part of it is that they were 1-7 in seven the year before. They were bad. They were bad. Their offense was absolutely stuck in the mud. Mm-hmm. It's terrible. Well, all they do is... And, and by the way, it's, it's important to remember that this was not always... Um, sunshine and daffodils for Little Cypress, uh, for uh, rather for um, Little Cypress Mauriceville. Mm-hmm. This was a program that, in many respects, it, it started off kind of slow, and you started thinking, okay, well, uh, have you have you uh, have you 
over have you you know outsmarted yourself here coach have you maybe figured something out maybe you thought you saw something that wasn't there because they they finished 11 and 3 but what they were able to do was so remarkable especially offensively like Mm -hmm. the offense took such a huge step forward let me make sure i get the number right um their offense was 21 points better than they were per game in um Mm -hmm. in 2021 than they were in 2020 I mean, 23 touchdowns better. And for him to instill in them that belief and to drive them all the way to the regional final. They beat El Campo. I mean, we sat there and watched El Campo the week before that just pummel people. Yeah. You know, it's like it, it, that was wild. It was it was really wild. And for me, that is uh, – look, I'll just be honest. Whenever you have a – a guy taking over a new program, you just say, okay, it might take a little bit of time, mm-hmm. especially a program that needed a revamp like it was. Oh, yeah. You always did. think, you know, two to three years, if they can start getting to six right. wins, eight wins, then right. you're going, man, this is great. But instead, it was right out of the chute, a supremely impressive performance from Little Cypress and Reeseville. In my opinion, the most surprising team in Texas high school football in 2021. Just the, the job that Coach... Eric Peavy did there is is unbelievable, and the job that those kids did to buy in and to get that that train point, you know, get get that train rolling, awfully impressive. That's my pick for the number one most surprising Texas high school football team in 2021. Let's go over to Ashley Pickle for America's second favorite segment. Final thoughts. So, hmm? we have a big, 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 big guest You're tomorrow. So ex- I told you about this this morning. You were so excited. I haven't, yeah, like I haven't had like that much pure like. I literally stood up in the office and said, yes. So you may remember, uh, if you remember this, then good for you. A year, year and a half ago, we would do the, do you remember what it was called? Dave Dave Campbell's Campbell's Texas Football, Football. Texas Football Today, Ashley Pickle Memorial. Hero of the uh, Week. For the Cure for America. America, Hero Hero of the the Week. week. And at one point, you found a clip of of a man who goes around and he reviews chocolate milk. Perry James is his name. Perry James. And we were so hyped. And I've been beating that drum for about a year, year and a half now, ever since we showed it. Like, we got to get that guy on the show. Like, why didn't we do that over the off season? We've been joking about it, joking about it. You sent me a text yesterday, and it was a screenshot of an email that you had sent to Mr. Jones. And he responded, James, James I'm sorry. He just goes by PJ. So it's PJ, fun. and he's going to be on the show. That's right. We're going to have the world's foremost chocolate milk sommelier on the show tomorrow. Um, I'm so excited, and I've got a lot of questions. I'm sure you <laughs> First have off, a lot how of dare questions. you? <laughs> uh, oh, I told you, I told Will earlier. I was like, Tepper's gonna have to stop me. Like, hey, this interview can't be 45 minutes long. Like, I'm sure PJ has stuff to do in his life. Yeah. I think he has a straight. I think he has a straight, straight gig. gig. Yeah, uh, but he is. Uh, uh, he is the the world's foremost chocolate milk sommelier. Like, how cool is that? Um, He's living yeah. my dream. Yeah, and so we will talk with PJ tomorrow uh, about all things chocolate milk across the state or across the state across the nation across the world he's tried chocolate milk from across the world yeah like 51 different countries yeah this is i know so cool i told you i told you that this morning i said i got a reply you're like (gasps) it was uh i don't know if i've i don't know if you've ever been this excited for a guest i this this okay the the level of excitement could never match like your bill oakley excitement but like out of guests that i've been most excited for yeah i'm gonna be honest this is this is probably number one so far, other than maybe like the first time I got to call Craig, but then I realized we did it every week. So, yeah, you know, but uh, no, I'm so excited. I cannot wait. There you go. That's going to do it for us. 
Thanks for spending a little bit of your day with us. Follow us on Twitter at DCTF. Like us on Facebook. Facebook.com slash Dave Campbells. Follow us on Instagram. Instagram.com slash Dave Campbells. And, of course, see us at TexasFootball.com. Thanks again to Mike Craven for hopping on with us. For Ashley Pickle, I'm Greg Tepper. Vince Young, please get your Player of the Year trophy. We'll see you tomorrow. Chocolate Milk Football Talk. Football today. <laughs>